good. Welcome, welcome everybody, and welcome Shane Bacon to the Eric Anders Lang Show. A couple things you'll notice this week, I have a little cold. Also, there's this distinct buzzing in the background of the show today. <laughs> hopefully, we can get, hopefully, we can filter that out. I have no idea if it's possible. How are you today, Shane? I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, you know, any day you get to play six holes of golf or eight <laughs> holes of golf or ten holes of golf is a good day for me. So, um, yeah, it's when you don't commit to 18 holes, I feel like it's like a lot looser. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Like when you're not, it's the obsession with like a score and you just go out there and just kind of hit it around. You're like, this is actually pretty fun to do this. We should do this more often. It's so interesting to have this conversation with you, right? You're on, on a lot of levels. You, you, um, I mean, you've had a wonderful career in the game of golf as a, as an athlete competitor, then moving into, uh, being on camera with back nine. That's how we met back nine network and, uh, PJ tour live and then Fox. And it's interesting to hear you. I mean, you know, you're, you're essentially, uh, what, what would you call is it? Is it, is it reporting? I mean, is it, is it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a, I mean, reporting, hosting, yeah, you know, hosting, calling golf. I mean, calling, yeah. calling, that's the word. And you're calling, you know, professionals playing 18 holes. It's so interesting to hear you say you love playing six or 12 or whatever. Well, it's, I mean, it, you know, golf is, is what I do for a living for the most part. And so, you know, I, I think that it's important to commit yourself to staying fresh with it. I think, uh, you know, one thing we do, it's so funny. One thing American golfers do is we obsess over the score. What'd you shoot? What's your handicap? What'd you post? And I'm trying to gravitate a little away from that, you know, where I can just go enjoy, as we said, you know, a nine hole day and that'd be fine. And even if you play great, I mean, if you go out there and shoot 31, being okay with saying, all right, I mean, that was a good day. That's what we were going to do. Let's go get lunch. and Let's get out of here. So, um, and you know, I mean, golf is such a time commitment now. I mean, you and I were talking about it before we started. I mean, committing four and a half hours of your day to doing something when you've got a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, you've got, you know, like, for instance, like we both got dogs. I'm going to have a right. kid at some point. You know, it's it, these are things that also take up a lot of your time. So it's just uh, it's it's reminding yourself that golf is fun and awesome, but it's not the entire day you have, you know? Well, and I mean, I don't know what the average handicap is of the listeners out there, of everybody, you know, uh, listening to this podcast. But I mean, you know, Shane's talking about score and you're a plus two. Right. <laughs> Which is like super legit. Because for me to say score doesn't matter, it's one thing when I'm shooting 81. But for you to say score doesn't matter after six holes, I don't know, would you shoot even? Yeah, I, I had a ball I mean, in the water. You I had a ball in the water. water. You 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 you, uh, you put one in the hole from the bunker, right. and then you also chipped in on another hole. Right. So I I don't see that every day. <laughs> That's uh, pretty fucking awesome. Well, the bunker shot was great. I, man, I've been so bad out of the bunkers lately. I've been hitting. I I, uh, I I hit it in the first hole at Phoenix Country Club. People that have ever played it is this kind of like handshake of a par five. Now right. I always say when the first hole, no matter what the hole is, number one, you know, people are a little bit nervous, or maybe they're not ready to play or maybe they didn't hit your range balls kind of like we did today but the first hole is a hole when you get on the tee you're like I'm, i need to make a birdie out of the gate because there's only three par fives here and uh, i hit it in the bunker the other day and i like left it in the bunker and uh and made six and i'm like every bunker shot since then i've like been thinking about it and it was funny i i, I hadn't hit a great bunker shot in a while and be able to knock one in today was nice uh i what's the best feeling in golf i say the chip in is pretty hard to beat you know yeah. i mean long putt's awesome you know, knocking maybe a long iron on the green or doing something like that, maybe a great par save, but a chip in 
is a feeling where, you know, you go get out of the hole and you're like, that was awesome. This is exactly why I play. Right. And, it, and, it's, and it's something that is mildly repeatable and, and maybe slightly common. Maybe for me, it's once or twice a year. How many chip-ins do you get a year? That's good. I mean, 20. No, I mean, you know, it just depends on how much you play. I mean, you know, you might, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I chipped in. I, I think I chipped in, um, I was playing with some buddies the other day and I chipped in for par. Now that was, a, that's the one where you, that's good. you run to the hole and get it out of there. Yeah. For me, one of the best feelings in golf is, uh, is um, it, it's, it's that shot where you're like, whew. I don't have many options here, <laughs> and you pull yeah. it off. Yeah, and you and you sort of and you sort of realize that you have no options, and then you're like, I will find. I will take the no. I will take the one option I have, and me not being. I'm not a very good golfer. I'm a good golfer maybe, and then and then actually committing to that one option, and then and then pulling it off. And and even if it doesn't do exactly what I wanted, and even if I don't make a par. That, for me, is the funnest shot in golf. Is the funnest experience. A little bit like what you did on 11 today. I mean, you have a shot where there, you were kind of behind a tree, you were a little bit stymied, but you had a little window to just give yourself a chance at par, yeah. and you pulled it off. And, I mean, again, those are those are great. I think it takes a level of commitment. You know, you got to stand over and go, I've, I've got nothing else to do. I better might as well pull the shot off. You know, I might as well hit it. Yeah, and, and it really goes back to, I think, two things. One is the creativity of golf, that it's not on the scorecard. Um, and it also goes back to the beginning of the game when when I didn't understand trajectory, I didn't understand that you could hit a ball low or high. It, did, it didn't make <laughs> right. any sense to me. I was like, Hold on, I, I need to just save that lesson for later. And what's been cool is over the last seven or eight years now, it's like, yeah, you're right. Eleven, I had sort of this like branch in front of me, but I, had, I was like twenty yards off the green or fifteen, and it was like, all right, I'm gonna just go low and I'm gonna try to just get it on that green as soon as possible. And you called it. Stealing. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 I mean, if you make par there, you know, you feel like you stole one from, from uh, as you said, kind of from the scorecard. Because, yeah. I mean, nobody else knows what you did on that hole when you get done with the round besides the three guys you were with. But, you know, if you can kind of sneak away with a four and you kind of go, oh, all right, I'll save the shot or two there. It's like, you know, you hit a ball out of bounds and it kicks back in. And you're like, right. you know, I, I need to take full advantage of this or I'm going to be in some serious trouble. But, you know, and that, that's what it's – I mean, that's why I have fun with it still is because – you know, you, you realize every round is different. I mean, you can shoot the same score four days in a row. One day it felt really easy. One day it was a massive grind. You know, one day it was, it was up and down topsy-turvy. And then one day it was just, just kind of, that's what you had that day. And, and I love the fact that the score at the end of the day, it doesn't even come close to telling kind of the story of how your day was. And, uh, and so for that part, that's why the score part is fun. But at the same time, you know, you can go out there and remind yourself – I find it so funny when you're playing match play with your buddies and they won't, like, you know, it's like a putt for five that doesn't matter and they still won't pick up the marker. And you're like, just pick it up, dude. We're good. Like, let's go to the next <laughs> hole. Like, it's, we're okay. Not, no gimmies. No, no, no. They got to have that, they got to have that it's, score. It's so funny. I don't think I've ever really consciously thought of this idea of multiple days, same score, totally different experience. Always. I've never really, I don't think I've ever really clocked that. I, I don't think I've ever had a round of golf where on the first tee, whatever I was feeling actually came true. You know, like right. you had those days where on the first tee, like, <laughs> I feel really good. Right. And then you have those days where you're like, I've got nothing. And then, uh, and then you know, it's just, I mean, that it's, it, that's how it kind of rolls through. And, and for me, it's like reminding yourself not to have the expectations because that to me kind of helps me just get on the hole and just kind of hit it because I used to get, I used to get so much in my own way, you know, right. You'd play in a tournament or play in a qualifier and be thinking about it and maybe sleep bad and all that stuff. And it's reminding yourself, that's what the like professional golfers impress me so much about like Sam Burns playing with Tiger last year. And, you know, for me thinking of a 21 year old myself playing a professional round with kind of the, 
you know, the goat or whatever, and he goes out there and shoots five under. It's like golf to guys at that level, the way they kind of like think about playing golf, it's more, it's just, it's instinctive. You know, it's like, I don't care who I'm playing with. I don't care what golf course it is. I don't care what shot it is. I can get up there, and if I'm where I need to be mentally, I'm going to be able to pull off the golf shot, and they do that over and over again. And I, I've always been massively impressed by that because, you know, like, like a Jordan Spieth gets to the Masters, and people think Jordan Spieth should contend in the Masters, and then he does. Mm. You know, that's unbelievable. I mean, if you you got a chance to play Augusta National. I mean, you play Augusta National, and you're thinking about it all night long, all week long, oh, the yeah. moment you get the nod, and you get to the, the tee, and, like, if you went out there and shot 75, you know, you'd be going – You'd, it'd be the best golf moment of your life. Yeah. And, and it's so, so crazy that those guys have that ability to kind of just forget about all the expectation and just swing it, you know? Yeah, yeah I'll, I've convi- I'm now convinced that'll never happen for me. I'll, I'll, never, <laughs> I'll never be able to just sort of put in a firewall. And that's okay, yeah. but right? That's a, but, the, you know, I think that's also maybe one of the, you know, I think we always look at, you know, you have to take your um, defects and kind of make them, you know, positive attributes. I right. think. I think in some ways that that is the. I'm never going to be known for you know where I put the golf ball on the course, but I think that that ability to be in it with whatever the story is right there, that's probably why I'm good at the other things I do. And and you know, I mean, you have the ability, the remarkable ability, I would say, is to be able to, you know, you kind of have both, which is unusual. And there's only a handful of people like that. Who, who do you look up to as your mentors as far as your career? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, something that was cool for me was, you know, the first year I worked for Fox and I did digital coverage at Chambers Bay and we did featured holes and it was a it was a crazy experience. Oh, my God. You were involved in like a, a pin in, in the world of golf. Like that was the first, you know, first U.S. Open for Fox at Chambers Bay, this new golf course, new broadcasting team. Um, I was doing featured holes with Robert Dameron. You know, we had a we had a hell of a time, and we were having so much fun doing that. The the moment uh, we had 16, 15 was when our hole was at par three. So Chambers was fifteen was a par three, sixteen was a drivable par four, and then seventeen, eighteen, and uh, we get done with our broadcast and run out, get in the golf cart, and speed out to watch the finish. You know, Amazing. to watch Jordan Spieth and Dustin and all those guys. But you know, early in that experience, you know, I get a chance to meet Joe Buck, who I've always looked up to, and uh, and you know he. I always say, you know, you could be, you could meet a guy like that and he could say, hey, how are you? Good to meet you. And then you could meet a guy like that and he could help you mm-hmm. and want to help you and be, uh, you know, kind of arms open. And I mean, that's what Joe's always been with me. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a pretty unique experience to kind of have a guy you've looked up to and somebody you would like to someday strive to kind of be like helping you out with what you do. And so, you know, Joe's always been a guy I've looked up to. I mean, you know, there, there's guys like Vern and Keith Jackson. Um, you know, I was a big Stuart Scott fan always. You know, Sports Center days. That's kind of what I always wanted to do. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be on Sports Center. You know, I no wanted way. to be. Like, I wanted to be Stuart Scott or Dan Patrick or Keith Olbermann and those guys. I mean, Kilborn, for instance, he was always unbelievable in that in that chair. And so, you know, that was kind of where I wanted to go. And then, at one point, it's you know, do you want to be a studio person or do you want to do live golf or live sports? And um, I kind of went the live sports route. I mean, I just wanted to be a part of kind of the moment, you know, when you look it back, I mean, and, and, you know, not there yet and hopefully get there one day, but when you look back at moments in golf, the voice that called that moment is always there with it. You know, I mean, you think about, you know, when Tiger made the putt at Torrey, you know, I mean, that's always going to be accompanied by, you know, 
do you expect anything else, anything less? And I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, those are, those are cool things to think about. And so, you know, those are the guys I've looked up to. I mean, Dan Hicks and now Dan Hicks is, does just an unbelievable job. I mean, I think Gannon is really, really good. And, uh, and then when you look outside of sports, you know, I mean, I played with, played golf with Mike Breen at Beth Page one time and, you know, kind of picked his brain about how he goes about NBA and I still shoot him a text. He's a big golf fan. He loves golf. Still shoot him a text every now and again when he has a great, you know, call or great bang. But those are the guys that I've looked up to. And what's interesting is Keith Jackson was who I used to record Keith Jackson games on my VHS in my house, in my room, and I would like re-listen to him. And my boss, Mark Loomis, like worked with Keith basically the back end of his career. I mean, he gave his, his, his induction speech into the Hall of Fame. I mean, they were very close, so it's been kind of a full circle type of deal. When I was a kid, I would listen to this guy, and now I work with somebody that worked very closely with Keith, you know, all those years in, and Keith was a big golf fan too. So, you know, that's those are basically kind of the people I look up to. And, I mean, again, as I've said, no more than Joe. I mean, Joe's just been, you know, Joe's been a, a great friend but also a great person to kind of like watch do what he does at such a high level and kind of like try to mirror it a little bit. What did uh, – did did you did can you share any specifics about what Joe uh, you know offered well just i mean you know like i think it's more allowing you in you know allowing you into kind of not not closing the door and allowing you to kind of like hear into the way he thinks about it and to introduce you to certain people that he works with that make him better and uh and 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 offering those people to you you know i mean you know allowing you to kind of work with those stat people and the people that that break down all the things that he uses his his career to make him as good as he can be. And I mean, you know, there was a moment at uh, Wingfoot early in our Fox broadcasting days as kind of like a full team. It was Curtis and Zinger and Faxon and me and Joe. And there was a moment where we were like, you know, this is this is the crew and, and this is what the crew's going to look like, you know, going forward. And, uh, you know, there was like a cheers and a, you know, let's go get it. And I, I, I've been proud to be kind of a part of the Fox team because – you know, you look at Chambers Bay and then you look at where we are now and we get to do all of these events. What's so cool about what we get to do, and I think it's something that keeps our team so fresh, is, you know, when you're a, a Dan Hicks and a Johnny, you know, you're doing the PGA Tour almost exclusively. You know, they do some LPGA majors, which is cool, and I love when they get a chance to do those. What I love about what we do at Fox is every single week it's a different tour, really. I mean, it's right. it's junior it's junior boys or junior girls or, or the senior women's or the women's open. And then we get the PGA Tour for the U.S. Open, and that's really it. So it's a completely new, fresh like slate to be able to call. And uh, and I think some of those smaller events are like facts and a nice favorite events to go to because you can go have lunch, and the semifinalist at the Junior Am is sitting there talking to you, and they're actually giving you a little intel. And uh, and you can go broadcast that and say, I just talked to so and so, and you know, they, you know, they were really bummed about the putt on 17 and, you know, they're having this for lunch, you know, and you're, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Spieth didn't let me go sit down next to him for goodness sakes. I mean, it's just, that's just not how the professional golf yeah. world works. So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of been the, the, the process of that. And then I, I listened, you know, there was funny, we, we had a, um, they had a recap of the US, USGA events to finish our season. And, uh, it was at the end of our last event was the mid amateur in Charlotte. And, uh, and it was all kind of the winning calls, and as I was listening, I noticed Joe is like at a level and I'm at a level lower for like those calls. And it's little things like that where you hear it and you go, OK, next year, you know, when a guy wins an event, I got to take it up a notch. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, interesting. And even even our even my producer in my ears said kind of he goes, he goes, can you hear kind of like I'm here and Joe takes it to another level. And again, and, and, and I'm listening to it and I'm I'm feeling 
Joe's calls make it seem bigger. So I've got to make Whoa. sure I get it to a new level when I'm making those calls. Well, you know, a guy guy wins a junior amateur. I mean, that's a career moment for that yeah, person. You know? And you've got to remember you've got to remember that in a way. Um, that is fascinating. And what's kind of funny is as I fix my mic stand here, everybody hang up. All right. As I that's really interesting because yeah, dude, it's like, whoa, you're not just like in a room separately talking about something. You're, as far as the viewer's concerned, you're the voice of the player. Yeah, you're narrating the whole experience. You're, yeah, you are Hemingway. It's, uh, oh, goodness gracious. I, I went to the Hemingway, by the way, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was with my wife in Paris last year. I'm a big Hemingway guy. I love and Hemingway. I, and I was like, Hemingway spent a lot of time in Paris. I wonder if there's a Hemingway bar. Oh, Cafe du Monde. I look it. I look it up on yeah. my phone. We go right there. Yeah, in the Saint Germain. Yeah, the green and white one. Did you go there? Did you well, get? Yeah, hammered? we went there. We, Absinthe. We got a. We got a painting. We got a painting in our house of it now. I love it. Um, that's our nerd. That's our nerdy Hemingway talk for the day. I, dude, I mean, I read Old Man <laughs> in the Sea every year. It's like every such, year. Yeah, I've read it so much that I actually brought it into my own backstory, and I'm convinced that in a previous life I was a fisherman, even though it's just a book I read. <laughs> Can you fish? <laughs> I hate fish. <laughs> I so, really do. So, so no. I hate fishing. I don't like the smell. I like <laughs> eating them, but I, you know, it's like I'm not into it personally. But oh, dude, that's so interesting. No, the idea that um, well, because you know, I um, so you got me to do a podcast, right? We talked about this a little bit on the course today, but for those listening that aren't going to go to YouTube and watch the amazing video of the six holes that Shane and I, well, you hammered him, I got hammered, but anyway. Um, I, uh, I I credit you really in a large part in, in getting me to start my own podcast. I was on uh, the clubhouse. I had a great time. It was my first time. Um, I was virgin, and Shane stole that from me. So gross. We can move on. Um, but anyway, no, dude, we had a fun time, and I realized that a podcast is just a conversation, right? And I love having conversations. So um, you know, but but the interesting thing is, I was a fan of Bill Burr's podcast. Have you ever heard his? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't even really love sports to the extent that Bill talks about them, but I've, and I'm not a big podcast listener, but I've gone back and listened to Bill's podcast at, at a few times throughout this past year uh, after starting my own. And I've checked in with it and I've been like, wait, so he does it this way. He does it that way. And I realized like, <laughs> you have to be wide awake to do a podcast. You, you can't roll in with sleepy eyes and be like, hello. It's like, people aren't just going to turn it off. Right. And that's been an interesting lesson. The, the lessons that you don't, that no one really teaches you, that you kind of just learn through experience that you just mentioned with Joe's calls versus yours. It's so interesting. Well, the, the thing I've, you know, the, the, the process, and I, and I hate that word, but, you know, the, the way you go about, like, doing something like a podcast, right, and what you learn throughout it and what you learn works, what doesn't work. You and I were talking about this is I was, I was like, I'm going to have professional golfers on my podcast that was like my that was like my my selling point when i started cut to eric on the pod well but you know i mean <laughs> what i learned what i learned and i mean i got i got people that that loved when you were on and and what i've learned over the time is a good conversation or you know if you're talking about professional golf like if you're talking about the tournament that just happened this week and you're having a, a back and forth solid conversation with somebody people will love that more than they will if you have a guy on that's in his car and he's on a cell phone and you know, he doesn't necessarily, like you said, he doesn't necessarily want to be there. He's doing it because, you know, maybe his agent asked him to do it. Those, those do great for the, the headline of the podcast. You know, blank, blank, you know, master's winner, blank, blank, open winner is on the podcast. That's awesome. But some of the conversations are, are way better with, like, people you want to have on that you like that just right. happen to be involved in, in golf or if you do a basketball podcast, basketball. I mean, 
I've always looked, the starters are guys that, these four guys that started a podcast years ago, there a couple of guys were Canadian. I actually worked with a couple of them at some of my writing gigs back in the day at Yahoo. And um, they started a podcast forever ago when podcasts weren't a thing. And these are just four dudes that talked NBA. And now they've made it to where they're, they have a great show on NBA TV. And I've always looked up to those guys because I've always thought that is an unbelievable way to talk about sports is just having people around that want to talk to each other about it. Right. How many hats do you have? Oh Hat of the day. I mean, oh. you must have 400. So, do you have a garage for hats? No, I, I got a, I got a, I got a hat stand. It almost fell over yesterday, <laughs> and then I have hats stacked on top of each other. Hats on hats. And and it's funny. I've gone through hat processes in my year. I used to get hats when I'd go to a baseball stadium. I'd always get a baseball hat. Uh, and now it's like a golf course hat because yeah. I don't buy shirts. Why not? I don't buy. I, I have a lot of shirts. So your pro shop buy is a hat. Hat used to be towels. Oh, interesting. Towel. And then it went towels. Now hats. Towel's kind of the uh, unsung hero of pro shop buys. Really, really unsung hero. And then, um, and I'd take a pencil from all the nice courses. Yeah, you you got me into the pencil game. The pencil's great. It's you free. Have, you have the. <laughs> the only issue is if you go outside the United States, a lot of places don't have good pencils. Yeah, in Scotland they're just like a color, and yeah. you got to know. It's like a yellow. But you which write is on rad. it. This is Nairn. You have the um, you got the pencil uh, display case, the pencil frame. Which at me as a total jerk, I I got the pencil display case and just put the Augusta pencil in there. <laughs> That's it, just the one. That's <laughs> yeah. this is all I got. Just this, the Augusta. This pencil. is number one. This yeah. is all I care about. So I just got one pencil. I, I got the pencil display case, and every single time I post that on social media, I get yeah. about twenty people like, "Where'd you get that?" They from? want to know. Yeah. Well, I hit you up. I remember you posted. Yeah. it. I was like, "Where? Where? Where?" So great. You need to. Uh, you need to do like an affiliate marketing deal with the pencil make sure you just make your own pencil case that's right i do need to make my own i'll make it green that'll be the differential thing it'll be back go back will be grass like fake grass so for the people that um you know love golf and love you know um hearing conversations with people like you i'm curious to know of all the people that i've worked with you you really are at the forefront of working in golf what do people not know about what it's like to work in golf i mean i think you know, one thing people don't know that I always get surprised by is when you're broadcasting golf, you're never watching golf. You're watching a TV screen. You know, if you're if you're doing an NBA game, I did I, I did play by play for basketball this year, um, and you're on the floor watching the game in front of you. Right. You know, you're not looking at a screen. But of course, in golf, there's 18 holes, so it's basically 18 events happening at the same time. So you're just watching a screen. It's just red zone. So yes, exactly. And that so the producer is massively important in golf because you because they're they're presenting you the broadcaster what's coming up next right so your producer has to know the player know how to pronounce the player's name know what hole you're going to all of those things and oh, it's gotta be are you seeing it with or without graphics there's i mean the graphics could pop up at, at, at when it comes on screen but you know when it comes on the screen you're getting there there's ricky fowler at 14 right and so the producer is has to be unbelievable. I mean, good thing is I work with a great guy, Mark Loomis at Fox, who does a great job. But you know, it's like you're kind of at the hands of them. When you're doing a basketball game, like when I'm doing basketball, I'm watching the guys play basketball. Mm. So if I screw something up, it's it, I screwed it up. Right. If I say a wrong player, if I say their name wrong, if I, I mean, if the number, if I look at a number and it's 23, and and, and the player that made it's 24. I mean, again, this is all internal error. Yeah. But a lot of the time, like if you go somewhere and they say, hey, we're going to 14 and it's 13, you're the one that's incorrect, but somebody said it incorrectly to you. So it's, it still falls on you as the broadcaster. That's one thing. Um, Have you ever caught him? 
Have you ever been like, ooh, it's not 14? Um, and, and basically recorrected? I mean, I mean, not to I'm throw sh- Mark under no, the bus. No, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure at some point, uh, I trust him. I mean, I mean, I trust him wholeheartedly. So if, if we've ever had that error, he's so good that I'm not sure I can remember a time where he's ever did anything like that. So right. um, shout out to Mark Loomis. Way to go, Shout Mark. out Loomis. Loomis is great. Um, but, but it's really just a factor of your, it's, it's all happening so rapidly. Is it exhausting? It's, you know, when you do, so we don't do, we didn't have commercials last year for the USGA events. That's right. So every event besides the US Open was commercial free. How do you go to the bathroom? Um, you, they have some featurettes they'll run for a minute and a half. I mean, sometimes oh. like, a, like, a, like if, if, you know, Faxon's great at understanding how to do my job too, if, we, if need be. Right. So if I need to really run, I'll tell you this, I drink like one bottle of water in four hours. <laughs> and I drink like 10 bottles of water an hour when I'm yeah, just you're, like you're randomly you're a hydrated doing, dude. Oh, I'm just taking them down. So yeah, you got actually, if you could only see, uh, you've four got, drinks you've in got front a Coca-Cola of and three waters next to you. <laughs> Like you actually look like you might have a problem. <laughs> Give me some more water over here. I uh, um, I did the President's Cup for the World Feed at Liberty National, so this would have been in seventeen, right? And the first day it was six hours, no commercial breaks, but no commercial breaks, meaning in some international feeds during commercial, they, they don't even have a commercial break because you like pay a certain amount of money and it right. just rolls through. So we'd go to break. I'd say. Big putt from Kevin Kisner there at 14, but I couldn't say we'll be right back. So I just had to kind of like leave it hanging, like a hanging chad. And then we'd go to quote unquote break in like a Canadian market. And then somewhere else, I'd just pick it up during that break. So the first day, I didn't have anybody to help to fill in for like an hour. Yeah. So it was six hours straight, no bathroom breaks, <laughs> calling golf all six hours. And uh, that was one of those days where I left. I went to my hotel room. I ordered room service. I didn't talk to anybody. My, my wife like texted me. She's like, are you done, babe? I'm going to call you. I was like, I got, I'm sorry. I can't talk to you on the phone. Yeah. I yeah, got nothing. I can't even spell the word I'll done t- right I'll now. I'll text you yeah. anything you want to hear about yeah. my day. My fingers are, are good to go, but I'm not. But you know, like those days, those days can be long and exhausting. But I think when you're doing those big events, you're so excited to kind of be a part of it. I, I'll tell you this, you know, uh, Ahmad Rashad of all people told me it back in the back nine days, he goes, you're only as good as your co-host. Whoa. So, you know, working with like a Brad Faxon who has this unbelievable energy about him all the time. Right. All the time. He loves golf. Right. Like more than anybody I know, he loves golf. That's and this awesome. is a guy that played professional golf for 30 years, you know? Yeah. yeah like he was most grinding. of those guys don't love golf because yeah. it was their job. He loves golf. So when you're working alongside somebody like that, it's really hard to ever kind of lose the energy because right. they're always here. So you're trying to stay that high with them and you're trying to keep it up. So, I mean, that's a benefit. That's a blessing for me because I'm sure there's guys out there that call golf and it's kind of, you know, you call golf and it's your job and you do it and you try to do a good job and you get out of there. I work with Paul Azinger and Brad Faxon. Those guys have as much energy as anybody you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, right. how, how, lucky, how lucky is that, right? Yeah. I got to read something really quick. Everybody stay tuned. Prepare to be entertained. All right, everybody. Time to hear from maybe what's soon to become your best friend, Blue Chew. Okay, here's the deal. Do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? I'm not talking about going to the bathroom. I'm talking about increasing your performance and getting that extra confidence. You guessed it, on the driving range. Nope, I mean in bed. Seriously, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue not the color that your balls were before you got this wonderful 
Okay, moving on. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's the real deal. I've tried it, and I'm afraid to say I couldn't leave the house for beep. And it's the stuff that works, exclamation point. You can take them anytime, day or night. You can even eat them in a sandwich. I'm just kidding. I haven't actually looked into that. But the point is, even on a full stomach, because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. For example... After getting your sandwich at Chick-fil-A and you realize that maybe you were hungry for something else. That's the phone ringing, folks, but it's not Blue Chew calling me to tell me that this ad is unairable. It's someone else calling me to find out if I really use Blue Chew. Anyway, hang on, because here's the deal. This isn't just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants extra function and to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Now, here is actually an interesting subject because... Have I, do I realize that you can always be better at something that you're not the best? Tiger Woods, for example. All right, I'm going to leave that there. I'm not going to go any further. Anyway, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. That means that it doesn't say Blue Chew all over it. I'm going to get laid in four minutes. So there's no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness unless you eat a lot of blue chew before the date. Okay, moving on. They're made in the USA, and since blue chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. That means you listening right now. Pull over the lawnmower, get out your pen and paper. You're going to go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free. Free? Wait, hang on. Free? You're going to get your first... Jeez, I'm going to text this to everybody except... Mom and Dad, please skip past this. This is embarrassing. Anyway, you're going to get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code ERIK, E-R-I-K. Don't spell my name wrong this time, folks. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue, B-L-U-E, chew, C-H-E-W.com. Promo code ERIK, E-R-I-K, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, got a great read for you here. Stay tuned till the end of it because there is a massive deal at the end of this read. Precision Pro Golf, maker of the NX7 series rangefinder, is proud to bring you this spot on the Eric Anders Lang Show. The Eric Anders Lang Show is bringing golf to the masses, which is pretty rad. And Precision Pro is bringing accurate measurements to golfers at an affordable price. Their NX7 series rangefinder was named Best Value Golf Rangefinder by MyGolfSpy.com. You heard that right. Best value golf range finder at mygolfspy.com. With all the bells and whistles that golfers love without the bloated price tag that other companies charge, it's the perfect range finder to add to your golf bag this year. So right now, Precision Pro is offering $20 off the NX7 Series range finder. Go to precisionprogolf.com, precisionprogolf.com, and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K. Do not spell my name wrong this time, folks, for a free... A lifetime battery replacement, wait, for $20 off, and then you also get free lifetime battery replacement service. Whoa. Dude, you know how many times my battery dies in my rangefinder where I'm just like, ugh, grind, give me a battery. They're so expensive. If you can actually get to take advantage of that, you could eventually get a free rangefinder by the end of the time. Uh, yeah, they're not joking, folks. Lifetime battery replacement services. You can check out the awesome reviews on their website or on Amazon. Amazon, that's what's up. Uh, to read what other golfers are saying about Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders. Once again, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code ERIK 
K is in awesome for $20 off. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, folks, you know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously. And uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um, Tour XT changes the game. It's lighter so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, we're back. You just got a text message on the break. What does it say? So my uncle lives in Phoenix, and, and he's one of my best friends, and... um. Uh, every Friday when I'm in town, most Fridays, not obviously not this Friday, but uh, there's a money game at a at a municipal golf course called Dobson Ranch here, in, uh, and it's like a, this unbelievable money I've game. I've seen you post from there. Oh, they, they like 100, 100, 120 guys on a Friday will play. Whoa. Unbelievable amount of people play. And like anything from guys that, you know, play professional golf that can shoot 64 to guys that will shoot 110. And it's this hodgepodge of characters and a mix of, you know, maybe a guy that makes – 500,000 a year and a guy that makes 25,000 a year and they all love golf and they don't care what you wear and it's great. It's exactly what golf should be in my opinion. You know, it's just this. complete mix of it. I want to see this. I'm oh, coming. It's it's such a good money game and there's so many ways to win money, but I play with my uncle whenever I play. There's like a standard 11 o'clock group. He just texted me. He said, uh, I made it one hole without a beer. <laughs> so so that's uh, that's a noon, noon 12.03 he made right. it and he's having, his, gonna, he's having his first beer. So he's going to have a good Friday. You, um, you know, I'm curious to know, like, if I really am going to challenge you right here, like, okay. like, t- try not to say, try not to, try not to back out of this one. Okay. What the, there, there must be one real, like, transitional moment where you, you know, I'm sure you pinched yourself a lot in your career. What was the one moment where you really, really had to pinch yourself? I think when I, when I 
finished the Justin Thomas interview at Aaron Hills when he shot uh he shot sixty three. That was the three wood on um three wood in from three hundred yards 18, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He made made Eagle and shot gangster. nine under. Yeah. Um that shot was ridiculous. I mean, that's that, just that's one of the best shots I've ever seen. Uh, they had it on Instagram the other day and I was like, I rewatched it a couple of times because Yeah, two ninety nine carry. Those those guys hit their three woods so high. That was like the match, like Tiger and Phil. Those guys hit their three woods so high in the air. I don't get it. But I you know, it was he finished the round, he signed his card, he came up to me, and it was live TV. And I'm interviewing this guy that just made history. Nobody's ever done this before at the U.S. Open. Right. And um, when I finished that, it was one of those moments where I was kind of like, man, this is like pretty rad. I had a moment um, last year at the U.S. Open where we'd finished the broadcast for the day, and we'd thrown it over to Joe and Zinger, and uh, Faxon goes, hey, wait around, we might do an interview with Wayne. And I'm like... Wayne. Wayne Wayne Brady like I don't like what, what <laughs> Wayne are we talking about and and uh and like two minutes later Gretzky comes in and uh and I'm like oh, I mean you know like this is the best guy that's ever done something before yeah just walked into our booth yeah you know I mean no offense to anybody out there that's like a whole fan or anything but like Wayne Gretzky is Wayne Gretzky yeah the great one the great one he walks in and I'm like kind of like wow and like again a minute later we're sitting in the chairs and we're about to go live with Wayne Gretzky. And that, you know, you have those moments where you're like, I, I can't believe they're allowing me to do this. <laughs> like, they're allowing me to host this. Right. And, uh, and we're, we had a, you know, five or six minute conversation on TV with Gretzky. You know, at the time, DJ's leading the U.S. Open, you know, uh, at Shinnecock. And, um, and so, yeah, that, those, were, yeah. those were two that really stick out in my mind. I mean, those were, uh, those are two moments that, you know, I'll remember for, for quite a long time because... I mean, it's hard to it's hard to be you know getting a chance to kind of chat with somebody that just did what they did or or bring somebody in like that. I mean, it was it was it was crazy. So I mean, I I kind of know how a lot of this happened, but 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 how did it happen? And and if you don't mind, tell us how it happened, but also how how what 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 aspects to your personality or decision making got you here? Well, I I was I always wanted to do broadcasting forever, and uh, and I. I wrote. I mean, I wrote and wrote and wrote. I wrote in college. Um, what I wrote. Do you mean all, you wrote? I, wrote I wrote sports. I mean, I wrote for four years for the student newspaper in Tucson. Oh, you um, uh, as a journalist? Like, as a like journalist, recapping right. yesterday's game. It, it was. I did a lot of golf. I did golf all four years. I had a column once a week. It was awesome. Called, it was called a slice of bacon. A really slice original. of bacon. Oh, yeah. My, Dude, I want to read these. Oh man, I got. I got to send you my avatar picture. <laughs> this is literally a picture I chose to have in the newspaper every day. It looks like I got electrocuted, and I'm wearing like a choker <laughs> necklace. It's. <laughs> I, I like. I wish it was like. I wish I was more embarrassed by it, but it's just hilarious that. It, By the way, like side a, note: I I took your avatar on Instagram, right? Is it still the same? Yes, it's the yes, one. It's the, the Wico Wico picture. By, yeah. Nice. I remember I stood in should, harm's way to get a photo of you, I, and you were like, you were like, I might hit you. I'm like, you're gonna be fine. It's a great photo, and it really is a great photo. What's funny about that hole you took that picture on? Since you did put your life in your hands, is I've still never hit that fairway. I played Wico <laughs> Paul last week. I did not. I still can't hit that damn fairway. It's, it's number very, eight. Eight, yeah. But I, um, yeah, I wrote and, and wrote and wrote and I, and I got done with, uh, with college and I started a blog and I wrote and wrote and wrote golf and just kept going. And, um, the, the broadcasting side of it just kind of came to me the same year. I mean, back nine network came to me. There was how another, old were you? It's 20. So I'm 
it was probably I was probably 26, 27. And where were you at? You were did you decide not to pursue a competitive career at that point? Did you try I, to I, get I played web.com? It, I play, no, I played I, I played Gateway Tour for a year, and I mean it was it was it's pretty quick. You you learn quickly where you stand. I mean right. yeah, I mean you can shoot. I can shoot sixty eight. That's great. I mean you, you got to shoot sixty four, and you got to shoot it a couple days in a row. Fucking legend. It's, First it, of all, just you're a legend. But I mean it's but that's you know I mean it, you you learn. I mean that's the thing is you you see these guys that can do that. Like Ben Kern, for instance, who was like, he's a PGA professional now in Texas, and he, he gets into the PGA Championship last year and finishes like tie for 45th. In the PGA Championship, Gangster. I like played practice rounds with him at Gateway Tour, and the guy'd shoot like 62. <laughs> and, the, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm like grinding, you know, yeah, for like 70. 70 yeah. and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's just, he just like, he's just ho-humming a 62, and I'm like, this is, I just don't got this, yeah. you know? And so. And what was that like? What was that feeling like of being like I don't got it? Um, you know, I mean, I because you're twenty, you're twenty five. I had, I had a, I, yeah, I was probably twenty four, twenty five when I did that. I I had a moment where I was playing. So I was playing golf at. I worked at True North on the yeah. outside service, and we had these like games, and it was like three or four of us that were trying outside to play service, for a living. aka car park guy. Yeah, exactly. CBGs. Um, yeah, shout out to Kyle. Can't but uh, I um I. I played a nine-hole match with a whole bunch of guys one day, and I think I shot like seven under at True North, which is tough. Yeah. And I got done, and one of the guys had said something to me about, like, you're the best one here about my golf game. And I never thought that. Hmm. I mean, I still don't think it. I mean, I'm best friends with my buddy Ashton Woods, who I still think is better than I am for sure. But, like, I, I played, and this guy said that, and I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting and, and and i that nine holes is one of the reasons that i decided to try to play because oh. i played so well it was it was a tough golf course i got it around i made a lot of birdies and i was like i can maybe do this and um you know my first pro round i played really well and it was just i didn't have you need a lot of stuff to be a professional golfer um i mean you obviously need the skill and you need the, the mental ability and you need the financial backing all of those things that everybody would understand but like i didn't have a swing instructor i had like a place to practice, but not really. I didn't have anybody I could go to and say, "Hey, I'm missing putts. Can you help me out?" Yeah. And and I had none of that stuff. So when it started to get, like go south, and I it started to get in my head, I I mean, I just didn't really have a place to recover. There'd be there'd be tournaments where I'd shoot seventy one seventy, and as I'm walking off the green, I'm thinking I missed the cut by one for sure. And I walk off the green and I check the night that that night and I missed the cut by one. You know, like oh. I knew that day, like. I, I I needed to make that putt on the last hole, or I'm not going to make the cut. And though, and it was just it's just tough. I mean, you're you're grinding, and, and the thing too is you're grinding out for it's not a ton of money. I mean, if you're not one of the top five guys on the Gateway Tour at that time, this was pre-08. You know, you're not. I mean, you're, you're not losing you're, money. Yeah, you're losing money, yeah. and so uh, you learn you learn fairly quickly about that. And, and I mean, it was. I'm glad I did it. I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm not doing it now. You know, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I didn't keep doing it because. As you're seeing with professional golf, they're only getting better, and they're only their their fear is gone. There's no fear from professional golfers anymore. No, they believe they're really, really good. They yeah. all do. It's almost it's almost like Android now. Absolutely. Like I watched Champ on the range, and I'm not like I, I I do get a little bit annoyed when everybody's just like on his back, but I can see why. I mean, you you see him. I I was walking a LACC with Champ during the Walker Cup. Awesome. And he hits a. He and I heard of, obviously you heard a lot about him even in college. I mean, he played you know he played Aaron Hills and he apparently played with Rory on the first hole and hit it like forty past Rory on the first hole. No. And it was this kind of like thing that was like stirring around Aaron Hills. And um, we're on fourteens at par five right by the Playboy Mansion. And I played it like a week or two before, and I beat one over the left side of the bunker, yeah. like as good as I can hit a driver. 
And you talk about the one going up the hill, or it's, the one it's like from fr- the Playboy Mansion going back. Back, it's okay, the par right. five, and it kind of yeah. goes down to the right. Yeah, the two bunkers, right? And uh, and and he hits a drive. Champ hits a drive over the right side of the bunker. Now again, I'd smoked one over the left side as hard as I can hit it. And the he, right side of the right bunker. Yeah, which, he, which is if you miss at all, it's going into the nothing, no man's land. Exactly. Yeah. And and he and he, he grabs his tee and starts walking. And I was like, <laughs> I'm kind of. And I walked up to him and I was like, Cam, I was like, is that is that your line? And he was like, Yeah. And I'm like, Do you know what the carry is? And he was like, No. And I looked at my book, and it was like 297 carry or something in the air in L.A. And I was yeah. like, okay, this kid's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, obviously, this kid's got a, got a, got an extra gear. I mean, he's know? looking at a 330, 340 carry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I mean you, you look at some of those numbers they'll throw, like, when he goes to ping on the TrackMan stuff. And he can hit a 360 if he wants. Like, you that's know, and, and it's crazy. But, that, you know, that's the, there, was a, there was a gear, and there's a level, and I was never there. And so, again, I'm glad I did it to say I did it. Yeah. I'm glad I did it to give it a run you know now that i'm 35 i'm like well i wonder what would happen when i was 24 and playing golf every day yeah, you don't want that but i mean you know it was it was quick so the moment that went away it was like what else can i do kind of thing and i i tried to try to get into the writing stuff and luckily got a job with uh aol fan house shout out to the fan house folks out there it's funny man like there's is- like a ton of fan house people that are like doing like will brenson's doing stuff and like jay skeets and like all these people it's like funny to see kind of like these guys still out there, like killing it. You know what is AOL Fan House? I think Fan, heard fan of House it. was this uh, like um, I think Jamie Montrum and those guys started this. It was like when the blog world was the blog world, like everything was a blog and nobody really knew what it meant. Right. And Fan House was this push to like get everybody to AOL to read sports, and we would produce stuff in like thirty seconds. I mean, if if Tiger won the Masters, there was a story up in a minute. You know, right? And it was like let's 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 beat down SEO as best we can and get up as much stuff as possible. And I I wrote for them for a long time and uh and just kind of gravitated through. I mean, it was AOL and I went to Yahoo and I worked for CBS and um, that was kind of the process. And I always wanted to get into the TV side and I never knew how. And these opportunities kind of came at the same time. And I moved to Connecticut. You know, I mean, moved to Arizona to Connecticut and. Knew nothing. Did you and, have a job in Connecticut? Yeah, well, that was the back nine network. That was, back nine, I mean, that, was yeah. that was uh, that was the that was where I went. And was that was that um, was that like um, a big leap of faith? Did they did they was it like padded or were they just like were you like I'm going fuck it? I, I mean, they they said to me they I mean it was it was it was good compensation. It was an opportunity to do TV for the first time, and it was an opportunity to do a lot of TV. You know, that was what. I wanted to go do. Yeah. Five days a week, an hour a day. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if nobody's watching. I mean, yeah, you I, learned I mean, a lot. You learn a ton about what, how what that stuff goes down. What do you think you down. learned the most from that? Uh, I learned that you kind of get, I mean, this is like a cliche line, but you kind of get in what you put in, you know, you mm. get out what you put in. Like I would get there really early every morning. I would write all my scripts myself. Um, I would, I would be in there with the producers you know, we would kind of like lay the show out and I got to be a part of that process. Mm. And, you know, it was probably more time than I needed to be there. But I, I, because I went in early and because I felt like I, I was busting my hump to get the stuff that I wanted to get in the show, it would make the show. And I think writing your own stuff allows you to speak on camera, even with prompter, like you'd speak as a person. And so that was one of the things that I I learned quickly was as long as they'll allow me to write this stuff, I can do it. And then I also learned like, just say yes, man. Like they, I'd get done with my show. They'd say, do you want to go on the, there was actually a show called the clubhouse. They were like, do you want to go on the clubhouse? And I'd be like, yeah. "Yeah." They were like, do you want to go on the turn? Yeah. Like I was like, I'm in if somebody wants me to do something. Right. And, uh, and that was, you know, listen, there was frustrations for sure. I mean, like what? well, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have 
video capabilities. So we didn't have like highlights. Plus, we were on at a time where there wasn't a lot of golf on. I mean, I think we right. started right around September. Actually, Phil Mickelson, <laughs> God love the man. That was the Phil Mickelson, Tom Watson Ryder Cup where Phil set up there and, and, oh, yeah. and kind of trashed Watson right there on the podium. Yeah. And I mean, that, that gave us like three weeks of content. <laughs> I mean, without that, I mean, we would have been talking about like the silly season and, um, you know, looking ahead. Right. And to have that where we had it. And of course, that was, then they started to form kind of, uh, they started to form teams and figure out how to like make the American Ryder Cup process better. That gave us a lot of opportunity and stuff. But, you know, I mean, you kind of learn as you go. I mean, when you're doing a startup like that, I mean, it's a little bit like you and I with this thing, you know, like right. doing a podcast, you learn kind of as you go and, you know, you're, you're doing, you know, adventures in golf and you kind of see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's funny because it might look amazing on screen, but it might've taken you, you know, 10 different approaches to make it look like that. Sure. And nobody would have ever seen that. So that's something I, I learned is that, you know, when you're doing something new, it's not going to be great. And you want it to be amazing. Yeah. You want it to be perfect. I mean, I know you're a perfectionist with this stuff as well. And you want it to be great. And it's just not always going to be that great. And you kind of got to live with what the end product is at times and then learn from that. So, I mean, it was the best thing I ever did going to Connecticut. That's so cool. I mean, it was, I mean, going and doing something. I mean, it, of course it didn't, I mean, it didn't, it didn't work out. It didn't last nearly as long as we hoped. There was like some, you know, speed bumps here and there, but Getting the opportunity to do that much TV was, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, it was, I mean, it was, it's priceless for me. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, going back to the idea of like no one knows the story. It's kind of like no one knows. It's like it's not how, it's how many. Kind of. Well, I mean, actually, I don't know if I even agree with that now after the scorecard thing. But anyway, <laughs> it's how. Yeah, but anyway, whatever. Um, you know, it's funny because we could go shoot something and like literally at the end of the day, we're just like, oh, that was like. That was awful. Like, Iceland Adventures in Golf, that's a good example. Like, I don't, I didn't think we had a good episode. I really didn't. Like, we did our best. It just sort of, everything kind of fell flat. And then all of a sudden, it was like my, people's favorite episode. Right. And it is kind of funny. It's just kind of that thing of, like, just saying yes. It's like, look, dude, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to, I'm going to get there early. I'm just going to get there early, and I'm just going to um, press record, and I'm just going to be as present as I can with whatever it is that we're in front of. And, um... I'm not involved in the outcome. Right. Yeah, it's not really my business. Right. Right. Just like just like you're talking about when we were on the course today, you were like each hole is an individual battle. It's like I'm not involved in in any of that stuff. I might my, my only job is to really is to um, somehow deliver a club face to the golf ball. It's all and, you can do. And in making you know golf content, that's kind of really all that is. The version of that is whatever. I'm I'm here to just merely press record and have something in front of the camera. And it's been, a, it's been an interesting experience learning from all that. And even, you know, because we met at this back nine, um, right. you know, uh, world, which was really exciting. And it was, it's kind of interesting to think about as, as we are here now, right, 2019, back nine was however many years ago. And that was like, that could never happen now. Right. No one would ever, uh, with the world of social media being as prevalent as it is, no one would ever take that amount of money and put it into television. So it's interesting to look at, like, do you have an image in your head of the future? Because, oh. I mean, we've seen, you know, you and I were there at this, like, studio in Connecticut on, um, you know, it, 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 just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen now. now. Now it's like the world of golf is like, it's just like reposted on Instagram. Where do you, where do you get most of your golf world when you're, do you, do you watch broadcast or do you go on Instagram or Twitter? Um, you're big I, on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say I, I, you know, Twitter is my favorite social media outlet. I think I get most, you know, I, I like Twitter because I can be watching an NBA game, 
you know, by myself and I feel like I can be in a conversation with other people that are watching the game. Right. Same as majors. I mean, I think the best the best day on Twitter ever is like the Oscars or like the Grammys, you know, when you can like see everybody kind of communicating about something that you don't really care about, but like you're watching for whatever reason you're watching. And are you on your phone or do you have like one of the apps on your desktop? I, I'm, I'm, I'm on my phone for the most part. I cannot figure it out on my phone. <laughs> like I opened up Twitter on my phone and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why is this eight hours ago? Yeah. Uh, I'm also like, somehow I'm in a tweet with 12 people and it's like, <laughs> it's taken me an hour just to read through something that means nothing to me. I don't know. Maybe I need to get a Twitter lesson from Shane Bacon. Give, because give, give you a rundown. Well, I mean, I, I don't. That, that's one thing is like I don't understand any social media. I just try to like live <laughs> within it. You know what I'm saying? Like I like right. all of it. All of it confuses me. I don't. I don't understand. I've never tried to like fish for people. Like I've never no. done the hashtag game. No, like you're not. Like I just try to like. I just try to enjoy it, kind of for what it is. And the moment it frustrates me, I'll delete the app. Um, that's a friend of mine. A friend of mine taught me that. He's like, if you ever get like frustrated by Instagram. Just delete the app for a couple of days, right? And I do that now, and it's great. Because like, if I'm not if I'm not at an event, I don't need to be on this thing. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, I can I can look at Twitter and laugh. Twitter makes me laugh. You know, that's the okay. key to Twitter. Is like I crack up at Twitter. I used to look at Twitter as like this big job thing. Now I just try to have fun with it. You know, I right. just try to like say. I mean, like I mean, I say meaningless stuff. I like occasionally will say something that like might even be like you know, 5% funny, but I'm not really trying to. It's just like, I'm just trying to like enjoy it and enjoy the people that communicate with me on it because we're talking about whatever. Might yeah. be talking about golf, might be talking about basketball, might be talking about, you know, the Stanley Cup, like whatever it is. I mean, mostly it's sports, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. And uh, and again, like there's so many social media outlets that I think can be frustrating that I try to just kind of avoid the frustration of them. But right. that, I get a lot of that. I watch a lot of golf broadcasting, um, you know, when I'm at the house, uh, I'll throw PJ Tour live on occasionally, uh, you know, kind of from my desk doing stuff and put it on mute, um, and uh, and just kind of see how the guys are playing. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it it's important now for me to watch golf because there's so many young guys that play right. that like a new year, I'm I need to know who these people are before I get going. Yeah, you and, can't just show up yeah. to the to the U.S. Open and be like, all right, who are these guys? Yeah, I mean, and, and, you and need to know their lives. You need in and how they've been playing and what they've been doing this year and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it's important for me, but I mean, of course, I still enjoy watching golf. I mean, it's you know, it's a sport that I like. But um, you, know, you and I were talking about like consuming golf and how that's kind of changed, and how golf. I've had this conversation before about how golf ten years ago was like professional golf, and that's what golf fans were. Yeah, and I think there's been a big movement towards golf fans consume golf that has nothing to do with professional golf. You know, it's it's travel trips, it's buddy trips, it's. Um, finding new places to play. It's finding different places to play that maybe you've never heard of. I mean, yeah. I mentioned, you know, you and, and, and the No Laying Up guys and, you know, Andy Johnson. And, and there's, a, there's a group of people that have opened kind of my eyes to this whole other world of golf that I didn't really even understand existed. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I believed in places to go and things to see. And, you know, frankly, the Fox side of it with the amateur side of the world too, like yeah. these, these, these great amateur players that maybe don't have – the 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 love to go play professional, but they love playing amateur. I mean, Buddy Marucci. I've worked with Buddy Marucci, who you know nearly won the U.S. Amateur against Tiger. You know, Buddy Marucci sees golf a completely different way than somebody that's a professional golfer or somebody that loves professional golf because he's been this professional amateur his whole life, and he loves the game for the game. You know, right. and so you kind of look through those people's eyes sometimes, and you're like, golf can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a little different. It can it can be, 
you can be a travel trip person. You can be a guy that like does fantasy golf. You know, you can be a person that consumes golf podcasts because there's a lot of them out there now. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of different ways to kind of be a golf fan. And I feel like 10 years ago, there was like one way to be a golf fan. That's what's, that, that is really exciting. And, and, it, and it really uh, is a, it's a great time, right? Because you can basically, uh, with these like self-publishing tools, whether it's YouTube, you know, podcast, whatever, like, I mean, I started the podcast as a joke. <laughs> kind of. Not really, like, kind of a joke. Like, I was like, oh, well, I'm a, it was kind of like when they were like, yeah, you're the best player here at True North. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll, mm? And, yeah, I mean, so it's been, like, pretty, it's been pretty fun to see that, oh, wow, it's like people actually listen. I didn't think, I really didn't think it was going to happen. And, and now it's so funny to look at, you know, between, like you said, No Laying Up and Andy, and, and you know, I, I look forward to more of that. Because, right. you know, you, you, um you know, you're, you're merely just, it's, it's, there's clearly been a need, right? And now what's really interesting is I didn't come into it seeing, you know, there's like two ways to do it, right? I think, you know, they say see a need, fill a need, right? I didn't come into it that way. I came into it and I've said this story before, but I met Chris Berman my first time at Waste Management four years ago on the range. I told him that I was going to be a host. I didn't know how to do it. I was like cracking up and I was like, Chris, I don't know how to be a host. I, I think you're cool though. I like you. And he would be my favorite of all the guys. And I, I don't know how to do it. And do you have any advice? And he said, yeah, if you're interested, they'll be interested. And so that's how Adventures in Golf started, really, is that I just was like, okay, check the th temperature. Am I interested in this? Yes. Check the temperature. Do I want to talk to Shane Bacon for an hour? Hell yeah. Check the, and, and really, that's all it's been. And it's just, it's just continually shocking to me that people are like, yeah, dude, I love it. I'm like, wow. Like, I just thought I was kind of out here for... <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's but you know like I mean golf is golf is fun. I mean that's what it's supposed to be, right? Like golf is an outlet for people to go enjoy themselves. And they're like, you know, I've I've I like golf because I like playing with people I like, you know? Like that's my golf. My yeah. love of golf is like getting out with three buddies or getting out with my dad or playing with my uncle. You know, those like that's what what where I love golf, you know? And you know, some people love golf because they want to play the top 100 courses in the country. I mean, that's their love of golf. And right. I just think it's like some people want to go to the Waste Management on Saturday, you know? And they want to go be there with 600,000 people. And, I don't want to do that. And then go to the bird's nest. And then go to the bird's nest. <laughs> now, that's not for me anymore. I did that. I was there at one point in my life. I don't really want to do that now. Right. But, you know, like, there's all these things that make golf fun for certain people. And that is, you ask, like, where is it going? That's why I don't have an answer because it might be going to, like, more of this stuff. Right. It might be, you know more presentation of different golf tours. It might be, I'm hoping, more love for, like, the LPGA. Yeah. You know? I mean, I would love... Lo <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was good. I dropped, I dropped my phone. Um, you know, like, I mean, I, like that's those are things that I, I look at and get excited about. You know, I mean, I, I, want, I want people that are in golf that need to get more exposure to get it because that makes golf better, and that's kind of what we're all here for. I mean, listen, I, I want to broadcast basketball. I would love to broadcast football and get into NBA and do all these things. But, you know, golf is forever going to be my first love, you know. And, I mean, it's why, you know, when I get a chance to do these USGA events or get a chance to go out and do the U.S. Open or do PGA Tour Live and do these types of things, you know, it's – it's I, I feel privileged to get a chance to do it because it's it's what I've always – I mean, I always wanted to broadcast sports, and I'm getting to do it at times, you know. And, I mean, I take time off, and I miss it, and I get back out there, and we're on the road. When you're on the road the whole summer, it's – unbelievable how much fun it is and it's crazy how fast it flies by you know i i'll be i'll be on the road for a week i'll go home i'll be home for five days then it's next event 
and you get there and it's kind of like the same process but completely different. And I and I just I mean I I soak it up because I just think it's so much fun to kind of be a part of doing it. And then you get like, you know, I mean, you get like Julie Inkster one week. Right. And he's like a Hall of Famer. You're like, Julie Inkster sitting next to me. Like this 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 is like one of the best professional golfers of all time is like just here yucking it up. And we're gonna go have a wine after. And like that's crazy. And then it's like the next week is like Paul Azinger, like the guy who won a major championship. And then you're like hanging with like Joe Buck, who like his I mean, I couldn't even imagine how many Emmys the guys won. And then it's like all these people are like your your friends on the road for the summer, and you're getting like to kind of knock out knock out this schedule that is presented by these championships that are gonna change people's lives. So I mean, I I love that. And I think I think I play less golf now because of that. I think I play less now because when I'm home I'm kind of like separated a little bit from golf right and then I get back on the road and I'm like all in again you know and uh and I mean it's you know it's it's the most unique sport on the planet I feel like you may have sort of done what I was about to ask you to do in closing but I'm still going to ask you anyway can you write a letter to golf to finish out this podcast oh man I would just say thanks that's all I would say I would say dear golf Thank you, because it's brought me unbelievable friendships, you know, and, and what's cool about it is when you're on the golf course with a friend, it might be your best friend, it might be somebody you see once a year, it might be a coworker, it might be a family member, you know, when you're on that golf course, you're all in the same atmosphere, but you're playing your, like your game, you know, you might have a partner, but you're doing your own thing and it's your own battle. And you're watching the other people, and I'm rooting for that person. You know, hey, I want him to get this up and down. You know, my dad's got like a 20. My dad hit the green at Royal Troon on the postage stamp, okay? He was playing bad. He hits it on the green on the postage stamp. And I'm like, I want him to make this putt for birdie more than I've ever wanted to make a putt in my life, personally. You know, like I've never in my life stood over a punt and wanted it to go in more than I want this putt to go in for him. And so it's like you're all kind of in this world. And so, I mean, for golf, it's just – it's a thank you note, really. It's thank you for just kind of allowing me to be here and do this stuff because, you know, it's it, as kind of what you said. You hear people say thanks for doing it, and you're like, I'm thankful to get to do it. You know, I'm thankful to get to call golf and to have a podcast and to get to do social media stuff and to play these golf courses that people would love to play. I mean, it's a privilege every time. And so, you know, that's that's I mean, that's all I could say is just, you know, a big thank you because it's giving me, it's basically giving me the life that I have. Golf has, which is wild, you know? You could find, you could be an accountant, or you could be a, a film director, or you could be all these things, and that's your job and what you do. And my job that I get to do daily is to be around a game that I fell in love with when I was a kid and I still love to play, you know? I mean, that's, I mean, how lucky is that? This sounds awesome, Shane. I really appreciate you spending time of with course. us. Of course. Thank you. Um, I got to get back to my four waters now. We got, yeah, you got a lot of water to drink. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Well, I look forward to the next time we get to hang. For sure. And um, everybody, uh, yeah, whatever. Just uh, just go DM Shane and, uh, you know, bug him. Yeah. Ask for, <laughs> ask for a koozie. I got, a, I got like 50 koozies I got to send out in the next two weeks. That was – I should never have started that, by the way. Yeah, you got uh, – Started the koozie thing, and it's like five five dollars and forty cents. Everyone I send out, but right. hey, hey, it's it's something. Well, dude, it's 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 cool because it's what you love. You know what I mean? That's right. And 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 that's cool, and that's your thing. You know, and uh, one day we'll export that to China, and we'll just get it all taken care of for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a great week, everybody. Thanks, man.